It's Thursday, February 25th, 2021. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Last night on Laura Ingram's Fox News show, former Trump aide and eventual hair club for men failure story Stephen Miller said that we are now seeing the cruelty and inhumanity of Joe Biden's immigration policies. Since it's coming from Stephen Miller, we're not really sure if that's a complaint or an endorsement. During her weekly briefing, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, accidentally called Senator Ron Johnson Don Johnson, which is ironic since Don's wife Kelly often calls him Ron Johnson when she wants to role play that she's married to one of the biggest assholes in politics. On the topic of giant assholes, Ted Cruz defended fired Mandalorian star Gina Carano on Twitter while insulting Daisy Ridley's Star Wars character Rey, calling her an emotionally tortured Jedi. Of course, if Ted was in Star Wars, he would have been the guy leaving Hoth with a weekend bag. Hoth, you know, the ice planet from Empire Strikes Back. Look, Star Wars fans are literally cracking up right now. Senator Lindsey Graham said on Newsmax last night that Donald Trump is more dominant in the Republican Party than Mitch McConnell, which must be true since we're pretty certain Lindsey knows a lot more about dominant men than he's leading South Carolina voters to believe he does. Costco CEO W. Craig Jelinek told the Senate Budget Committee today that his company is raising their minimum wage to $16 an hour starting next week. Costco can afford the increase because they hire in bulk. UK's National Health Service has asked Gwyneth Paltrow to stop blogging about her intuitive fasting protocol and the various supplements she's used to fight the after effects from her bout with the coronavirus because they believe it's misinformation. Gee, I wonder how the NHS will feel when Goop starts selling candles that smell like Paltrow's COVID. Toy company Hasbro announced that they are making their popular 70-year-old toy, Mr. Potato Head, gender neutral. That's a relief for Mrs. Potato Head, who was the one doing that to him up to now. People are criticizing Lady Gaga for offering a $500,000 reward for the return of her two stolen French bulldogs, but no reward for the capture of the thief who shot her dog walker during the robbery. Sure, valuing a dog over a human life may make Gaga seem shallow, but maybe she's just born that way. 30-year-old Emma Watson is retiring from acting, which is different from most 30-year-old actors who call that unemployment. In an interview, Sasha Baron Cohen said that it is now, quote, too dangerous to play Borat, so he's retiring the character, which sounds like exactly something he would say just before playing Borat again. Good luck, Rudy Giuliani. Now let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and as always, I'm joined by my TMI Daily crew. Um, before we get started tonight, I just want to say that in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by stand-up comedian, voice actor, and host of the Acting Funny podcast, Shane Ryan. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Now, let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast. Let's start with you, Pete. 
I know Joe usually is the one who tells us what national day it is, but I, I, I noticed something today that really bothered me. Um, technically, supposedly, today is National um, Toast Day, National Clam Chowder Day, National Chili Day, mm-hmm. and, and also it's National um, – uh, no, yeah, National Co- Chocolate Covered Nuts Day. Okay. But strangely enough, it's also nation, uh, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So, so I, I don't know who we're supposed to be celebrating right now because clearly, if you eat all the things that the National Day says we can eat, then you're, you probably have a de- eating disorder. Just so, eating disorder gets a whole week. Gets a whole week. That's the day. Got it. Well, I mean, clam chowder should only get a day. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> I, I like New England. Me too. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, I'm more of a lobster bisque girl myself, but uh, you know, you do you, <laughs> um, and. Hi, how's everybody doing? I'm going to start charging for my tweets because Twitter said that was a good idea and I can't wait to charge people to read my dumb, dumb tweets. <laughs> Joe? Hi, everyone listening on Google Podcasts. I'm so glad to be back and alive. Um, it is National Clam Chowder Day. It is also National Chili Day, which I thought was actually like, like those are opposing. Those should be different days. Yeah. You can't have both the chili appreciation <laughs> and a clam chowder appreciation. You can't have chili chowder day. That's just a well, recipe for disaster. Because it's other, another thing, too, because I'm more of a Manhattan clam chowder kind of guy, hence why the Manhattan's behind me. But that, now you've got two tomato-based foods that go into a bowl. Now we've got some problems. Though, I'll tell you, you can put chili on a, on a hot dog. But I'm going to try and figure out how to put clam chowder on a hot dog. I wouldn't. I don't know how good that is, but I'm sure some people will find that tasty. (laughs) Someone. And it's not going to be Chris based on his face. Hell no. Chris froze. I mean, I I wish I had froze and didn't hear what you just said about putting those two together. Clam chowder on a hot dog, man. First of all, it looks like a hot dog. I thought that what your picture was was like a combination of chili and like clam chowder because of what it looks like. So I was I like, mean, all right, technically, man, clam chowder is a combination of is chili it? and clam That's chowder. Like, think about it. <laughs> uh, 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 guys, I, I hate to correct you, but I believe uh, it's pronounced chowder. It's chowder. Think about it. If I invent the chowder dog, it'll be sold in, at like Red Sox games and I'll make a fortune. You also make a dogs wicked bunch good. of people sick. You just like that oh, they're Red Sox fans anyway, so who really cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what goes great with baseball games? Chowder in the middle of July. That's Go right, hot chowder on a dog. <laughs> Why are you yelling at a guy? You're gonna choke on some potato, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Mike online is saying that it appears as though Joe's head is melding with the clam. So. Oh. <laughs> Like that for us sometimes too. <laughs> it's really funny because if you steam me up, it opens as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with tonight's show. So today was a really hard day to come up with just one main topic. So tonight we're going to have our very first pop culture stories day here on TMI Daily. So we're going to be starting with just one question because so many stories happened today. Emma Watson said she is retiring from acting. My question is, does it sound arrogant when a famous 30-year-old uses the term retiring? Let's start with you, Elizabeth. Uh, No, because there's a whole movement of people trying to retire early anyway, the like FIRE movement or whatever, financially independent, retire early, I think it stands for. Um, 
I don't think it's arrogant. It's would you, like she's a former child actor who has to retire at thirty. She's not gonna. She's not retiring from like everything and just gonna like pedal around Florida. She's gonna do other stuff. She's not gonna act anymore. That's all. So I, I don't think it's that big a deal. And plenty of other like actors have said like they're retiring and then they'll probably come back. So I don't even really you know put a lot of stock in it. Okay, Chris. Um, I don't think it's arrogant at all either. Uh, to to be honest, like I mean, the woman's probably still spending fucking sorcerer stone money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's been in this business for a long time. Those like, and that's the thing too. Like when you're a child actor and you've been in a big franchise like that, that shit is fucking exhausting. I mean, she did what eight movies out of that yeah. franchise? You know what I mean? Like Elijah Wood when he did uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, he. Reti- he didn't retire from acting, but he stopped acting for a hot five years because, like, when you do a series like that, that shit takes a lot out of you. I mean, a series like that is, like, probably worth, you know, like, 15 good years in acting, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, and this is a good thing for her because, one, she can, you know, get into other creative things. And also, too, like, if she does decide to come back, she won't be all burnt out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she started the news when she's, like, 10 or something. 10, yeah. That's nine. That's your, nine. Nine. So now, the thing like, is, she was probably doing smaller stuff before that. You don't yeah. jump into a movie. So it's eight, eight movies, but it probably took a so process of like 11 years. It's a 21 year career. Yeah. yeah. That we know of. That right. we know, of. That we know of. It could be more. But this is this is my point. I mean, she's are, like, like, there's other actors that have done 21 years and retired too, except that they started older, you know? Uh, uh, you know, you can. And my other thing too is that over the past. I want to say five, six years at least. She's really been heavy into doing activism mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and, and a lot of charity stuff and all that. And that's probably taking up more of her time at this point where she's probably saying I'm retiring from acting so she doesn't get offers and crap anymore. Because I really do yeah. think she's been super. But she was even doing some stuff with the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So that's kind yeah. of, I think, her focus now. And I think that she's doing more than I'm retiring from acting things. So she doesn't get offers and bull crap and stuff like that. And, all, and maybe, maybe like the paparazzi might leave her alone enough that she can probably get the shit she wants to get done, done. Yeah. And then if she gets to the point where she needs to have her name out there some more, she can use that press. But I think that's what we're, what is happening here. Yeah. Um, Pete. I mean, I don't really care what she calls it, to be honest with you. I mean, she can do what she wants. I just think that like, from the standpoint of, of like, I don't know, fans and stuff like that. It just, to me, it just sounds like you should probably come up with a better word than retiring because not, 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 like I said, not that what she's doing is wrong. I, I want to clarify that because I don't want to go, Oh, if you can do what you want, she worked so hard. No, I, I mean, it's just like, it, it just looks like, like some, some, you know, very, very uh, well to do rich 30 year old retiring. But that's what other rich 30-year-olds are trying to do, like I said, with the fire movement and all that stuff anyway. It's just people... I'm not not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that, like... Well, I think that... I agree. I think there's probably a better term for it. Maybe she could have just been like, I'm stepping away probably indefinitely from acting. Taking a break. Taking a long break. Retirement, though. That's what it means. I mean, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, she doesn't plan on coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we retire, we retire other things, and we're not making a big thing about that. 
you know, yeah. uh, when when planes go out of service, they are retired. You know, <laughs> there's there's all sorts of stuff that gets retired. Why are we making the big thing about a rich thirty year old planes... that wants to do something better with her life and give? Sir, back are you of, uh... are you referring to a, a a exceptional British actress as a motherfucking airplane? How dare you, sir? Uh, yeah, I, I, I that plane wants to spend more time with its family. Yeah, how do you do? Yeah, I just think, but planes don't have a fan base, and so I'm you just, you I'm, say that, man. But right, go over yeah, by LAX and watch all those guys that just sit out there and take pictures all day. And also, Philip <laughs> on, online made a great makes a great point too. Athletes do it all the time around age thirty. I know it's more of a physical, like yeah, for, yeah. you're kind of yeah, pushed into it physically, but and then they and then half of them come back anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, the thing is with an athlete, they run out of money. There's very few athletes who retire willingly. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of actors retire. I'm not actors. I'm not actors. I'm sorry. Athletes. Mm-hmm. Athletes. Very few athletes retire willingly. Like you yeah. see these guys that are like literally 20 years into their career who who are trying that last that, that last spring training or that last um, that last boot camp and the, and their and and their body just this last training camp. They yeah, are, sometimes are it's a, sometimes it's a retire. knee. Sometimes yeah. it's, 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 it's 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 different when you're Harry Potter movie. Some, sometimes it's a Genesis SUV that you drive too fast around a curve. Oh, I'm sorry, Tiger. <laughs> I also I also just don't think it's. I, I also, I'm not saying this is what is your view on it, Peter, at all. But I also get the sense people are in general up in arms about it. I feel like if it was a, if it was a dude, Daniel Radcliffe said, "I'm retiring from acting." Everyone would be like, "Man, good for him! Rock on, Harry Potter!" But because it's a girl, it's like, oh, she just well, thinks she can I do mean, whatever. I, like yeah, that, I, don't, I don't even know if that I'm saying that it's like. Oh no, I'm not saying that's you at all. I'm not. I, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not, not trying to put that in your mouth or anything. No. Oh, please. So let's uh, so let's not call her retiring. Oh. Let's call it. Let's call oh. her switching <laughs> switching her focus to something else. Yeah, switching focus. Well, I still think that there's no problem at all with her using the word retiring. And yeah, I retired from teaching after 16 years, and it's trust me, it's not because I made so much money. That I'm gonna say like this, but I'm gonna say like this too. Like also, like let me tell you something. I mean, me looking at it as a, a fellow actor in this business, more actors should retire so I can have a spot. Okay. <laughs> Like if she retires, that you know somebody else that's a look that may yes, look like her. Yes, we going in. out for the same roles as. Uh, I might have. Been. Hey, hey, twenty twenty one. Beautiful Belle. Beautiful Belle. I might have been. You know, what I'm saying you don't you know. You would have been a fantastic Hermione, by the way. I'd like to point that out. Nah, you can't do that. He's like Harry Potter, make like a black guy, fucking Hermione. I would love, I would love to see that they should have. I mean, I think that that was one of the problems with that was that it was way too whitewashed the movies and all that. Because I would have loved to have seen. It's like, oh man, that's some devil shit right there. I ain't doing that. She's never confirmed it, but I think the cursed child play cast a black actress as Hermione, and people flipped out. But they're like, she she technically never specified. She kind of described brown eyes and brown frizzy hair, which you know, question that's a separate issue right there. But but you know, if you don't describe literally any other features. He could put pretty much anybody in that role. And also, I, yeah, I've seen actually some funny TikToks of, like, if I was, like, the American student from Hogwarts and it's a, a black yeah. person who's like, what the hell is up with this food? Do you guys not, like, season anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Slytherin oh, fucking yeah. cheated, you know? The, o- <laughs> the only food in that movie franchise that looked somewhat tasty was the magic food. All that other <laughs> bullshit looked bland as fuck. <laughs> Ironically, I was like, that all looks delicious to me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. 
Did you see? Did you, did you see when they when they hit the wand and it refilled the mayonnaise jar? I was all yes. over that. Was so there. <laughs> The the food, although the food at the Universal Studios Three Broomsticks place is fucking delicious. Oh my god, that's yeah, awesome! It we is were there, so we were there, and good. We all loved it. Yeah. Right, guys? It's really that chicken good. is fucking yeah, really good. delicious. Yeah, the chicken, most of chicken. I don't know what they do, but it's magic, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to another story for today. It's probably one of the biggest stories. Mm. So last night in West Hollywood, two of Lady Gaga's French bulldogs were stolen, and her dog walker was shot. Today, Gaga is being criticized for offering a reward for the return of the dogs, but nothing for the capture of the person who shot the dog walker. So my question to all of you is, does her being more concerned about the return of her dogs than about justice for someone who was shot make Lady Gaga look bad? Okay, I want to start with this one because it has to do with dogs. (laughs) Um, First and foremost, uh, French bulldogs are a hot commodity, and I hate yeah. to say it that way because you guys know how I feel about buying, you know, dogs. I mm. all our dogs are rescues. We have three rescues, and I'm an adopto shop person, but whatever. So the average uh, cost of a bulldog can range anywhere from fifteen hundred to ten thousand dollars, and this isn't the first time that someone has gone after. Like bulldogs, I remember a couple months ago in Silver Lake, I don't know if you remember this story, a lady left her Frenchie in the car for a couple seconds, she was just doing like a curbside pickup, and uh, somebody broke into the car and stole the dog. So these dogs are being like sold for like these outrageous amount of, you know, amount of money. And one of the things that I did learn about French dogs is um, that they're bred, uh, well, that they do, uh, sorry, artificial insemination. They're artificially inseminated. Mm. That's the first thing, which I didn't know. And also the births are very expensive because they have to do C-sections on them. Mm. So these dogs are super pricey and people that love these dogs. I mean, a lot of celebrities have them. A lot of people with money, you know, have them as well. So I'm not shocked that they went after these bulldogs. I did a little but, research real quick. Uh, those are her babies. Those are her fur babies. And anybody that has a dog or dogs knows that. And I just think that just because she didn't mention anything about the dog walker getting shot doesn't mean that she's not going to be taking care of, you know, the hospital bills or whatnot. So I think they're being very unfair to her. I just like to point out, I did a little research real quick. Um, uh, there has been since the beginning of the year, five are, are dogs stolen at gunpoint in LA. Yeah. So have they been all, all French bulldogs or just dogs I think the, I think all but one was and I don't no. know what the other one was but probably was another expensive breed but literally where someone's walking and they come driving up at gunpoint and steal their dogs. Jesus. I mean it's like you're walking around like holding like $10,000 like yeah. $5,000 in your hand. So yeah, that's when they're getting stolen. Now I know Pete and I disagreed about a couple of things about the story so I'm going to go with you Pete. Go ahead. No, no, it's not. I, I listen. I get it that she's she she loves her dogs. I think where she kind of like went awry on this was that when she put out the initial statement, she said that she was offering a five hundred thousand dollar reward for the return of her dogs, no questions asked. Yeah, that's the fucked up part. Because that's basically saying I don't care if you shot somebody, just give me my dogs back. And that's and that's kind of where I'm like, okay, maybe she made a mistake. No, you know what? That was probably a mistake on her part because you also have to understand her desperation. I mean, trust me, Pete, if that happened to us with our dogs, you know, I mean, I would do anything to get our dogs back. So I do understand Gaga. I'm Go ahead. No, I'm I'm definitely kind of with Pete on this one. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm assuming she must have said something by now. 
Um, but like there were reports that that dog walker kind of almost fucking died, like yeah, on the street for these with these dogs. So it was kind of. I I understand that like if someone stole my cat I would lose my shit and like tear what? things down. I get it, but if my friend got shot watching my cat, I would feel pretty bad for the friend and kind of leap into action on that front because also as the the person's still out there so they could hurt somebody else and so I think the focus should be catching and, and stopping the person and also being like uh, she just needed to say a little faster like no questions asked. Probably not the no questions asked part. You should ask questions in that scenario. Does, doesn't Gaga have 25 grand for information about the guy who shot? <laughs> but yeah, be like, there's a reward to return them, a reward for information. I will be ca- taking care of yeah. my dog walkers, you know, medical bills, because holy crap, thank you for walking my dogs and literally taking a bullet for me. Yeah. Now, does it make a difference? Before I go to Chris real quick, I just wanted to ask you this, Elizabeth. Does it make a difference if it's like just like a dog walker, like from a dog uh, walking app, or if it's a friend or someone that you do have a relationship with? Would you feel differently if that was your cat and it was like just somebody from like the Rover app or whatever that uh, web? Um, I, I would still like as like would I try to pay for. Yeah. And if they got like shot for it. Yeah, I'd still feel pretty fucking bad because that's not. Mm-hmm. Their fault, you know, the, the, yeah, it's not the, like, human's fault they got gunned down over a pet, you know, I, I'd feel pretty, like, responsible, because I, also, because, like, it could have been me, so I have a lot of empathy for someone in that situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chris? So, uh, a few things I want to uh, tackle first. One... It's surprising to me that Lady Gaga didn't adopt a dog because she's kind of the one that's always preaching that kind of talk, that kind of save the earth, meat is murder talk. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I'm not, you know, that's not nothing me against her that that she does that, but it seems kind of out of character for her to 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 get breaded dogs and not adopted dogs. So that's kind of uh, already a, a bad look on her part. Secondly, I will though defend her in the sense of. <clears throat> Okay, I know everybody's going to like hate on the fact that she didn't, you know, say, hey, we're going to take care of the dog walker, blah, blah, blah. But same token, that's not her job. And who knows what the LAPD or anybody may have uh, evidence wise uh, and what they're doing in the case of it. So her saying anything publicly could impede that case. And plus two, you know what I'm saying? That's also a personal thing because the guy who was the victim of the assault is probably working through some shit with the cops as well, witnesses and things of that nature. So, you know, anything that she could have said. Also, you know, crazy enough, criminals are kind of stupid sometimes. So, you know, putting out a war for 500, like that's that's probably $500,000 is probably triple what they would have gotten selling her dogs, even though they're Lady Gaga dogs or whatever, they're trying to sell them on some kind of underground fucking market or whatever. That's probably way more than what they get. And crazy enough you think that a criminal wouldn't be stupid enough to show up at her doorstep with the dogs but they probably fucking would and that's probably a trap that she's probably trying to help with police to set up and just in case they are dumb enough to show up to the house so uh you know it's 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 kind of a a a double-edged sword like yeah she does look bad for not mentioning the dog walker in the statement but at the same token she could be helping the police out tremendously and they could be it could be also an investigation because you know joe just said that that uh you know, this is five cases of do- like five known cases of dogs being kidnapped. There could be like some kind of 
you know, organization that are doing that. So the I police could be working it. on that and they could, and this could, you know, her putting it out there and, and putting too much on it could mess with the investigation. So they exactly, could Chris, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I'm betting that this is being worked with the LAPD to help get some leads on it at least. At least. And not more, and not even more than that. Because when the guy comes to the door, he's going to be like, listen, I said no questions asked, so I'm not going to ask any questions. But Detective right. Murphy here is going to ask plenty of questions. <laughs> I'm not trying to make light of dogs being stolen, but I also picture someone uh, with a trench coat opening it with those little French bulldogs in it and being like, hey, you want to buy a bulldog? <laughs> also, this could be marketing for that new Corella movie. I'm just saying. I, I, think, I think the more important question, and I think the question that we really should be asking, if, if the, dogs, the dog walkers walking Lorraine Gaga from Rancho Cucamonga's dogs, somebody comes up with a gun, is he going to be like, yeah, fucking take them? Like, or is it, just, is it just because it was Lady Gaga's dogs? Lorraine Gaga. Well, it's interesting, though, like what, uh, what um, Chris said. It might be like an organized group or because they do post pictures on Instagram of their pets, they specifically mm-hmm. targeted Lady Gaga's dog. So this, the, I was just no. looking. This dog walker is, I think, a per, like a professional dog, like sitter, care. And he mean, has an actor, you mean? <laughs> he, has, he has an Instagram <laughs> and it says that he's appeared with what appeared to be Lady Gaga's dog, so it could be, you know, maybe that someone's checking a, the Instagram be another, yeah. and being wow. like, "Those are some nice looking dogs. I want to steal." So, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, have, excuse me, I just was going to cough and talk at the same time. Okay, Hasbro has decided to take the word "Mister" off the name of their seventy-year-old Mister Potato Head in order to make it gender neutral. So, my question to you is: Is this the perfect a perfect example of why so many people? hate liberals go for it Joe. let's start with joe <laughs> i've got an update this is a non-story when hasbro announced it this morning they had said they are uh taking the mr off the product line can i really a potato you, head. joe let me interrupt you for a second can i read you the statement that they gave this morning and then you can yeah. go ahead and jump in so this is what they said um Hasbro is making sure all feel welcome with a fresh branding look with a whimsical color palette and more inclusive messaging along with a new product to appeal to the modern consumer. So yeah. go ahead. So, so this, but here's the whole thing. Cause it's the, if you look in there, it says product line. The whole thing was that the original product line, the entire line was called Mr. Potato Head. So Mrs. Potato Head fell under the Mr. Potato Head product line. Baby Potato Head fell under there as well too. What they did was they changed the product line to just Potato Heads. And this way, but Mr. Potato Head still called Mr. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head still called Mrs. Potato Head. And they've even said, came back and they said, said, they're not going away. They're still there. That's what they are. The product line has been switched to Potato Head. And I think part of that was also is not, I know they want to say inclusive and stuff like that, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to start seeing uh, potato animals, you know, potato horse, potato dog, all that kind of stuff going on. They want to expand this line out and then, uh, I'm betting they're probably going to want to try and make it an IP because that's where the money is because then you can do a, a whole Potato Heads cartoon and things like that and all. Yeah. And that's what's going on. They even put a statement out that says, listen, Mr. Potato isn't going. He's here. Mr. Potato isn't there. The product line is going to change from Mr. Potato Head to Potato Heads, you know? And so okay. that's what it is. And I'm pretty sure it's because they want to be able to make all sorts of Potato Heads. Mr. Potato Head is all man. Yeah, but that's 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 a great way to explain it, Joe. But at the end of the day, 
this is more pressure from from nonsense. Oh okay. come on! Who told the who complained who, about the potato? Who, head who, who complained face? about the fact that there's years. a Mr. Potato Head and a Mrs. Potato Head? Seventy years they've had they've had this name, and all of a sudden now they decided to do it. No, it's because we've reached this point where everything has to be sensitive. I mean, I'm waiting for Mattel tomorrow to put out a statement saying that from now on you got to call Barbie they or them. I mean, they already like, have like non-binary Barbies. But it's like, we get it. Everybody should be inclusive. But it's fucking a potato head. <laughs> like, this is the stupidest thing. In the, this is the stupidest, dumbest argument on earth. Like, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? So why are you so mad? Because you're trying to get an entire bit out of this after I shot it down. That's why. Where everything is going to have to be sanitized in some way. How is it sanitized? Mr. Potato Head, who's next? Wait, so I have a question. So they're not doing away with Mr. Potato Head, correct? No. They're just calling the line Potato Head. The entire line is is so when you buy the box, it'll say Potato Heads, and then the bottom will say this one is like Mr. Mr. Potato, potato Head. Head or Mr. Mr. Potato Head. Head, right. Okay, um, Elizabeth, and then I'll go to Chris. I mean, you know they used to... Uh, it was... The way the toy was originally designed was you get a literal potato and jam the stuff into the actual. Yeah, potato. you had to provide your own potato. You had to provide your own <laughs> potato, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. When, I, when my mom told me that, I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You provide your own fucking potato for yeah. this?" But yeah, I know people want to be up in arms, and everything's changing for the worse because we're all t- too sensitive. And we're all coddled. Uh, it's well, like just, it's just. Oh, fuck off, you old fuck. Who cares? Why do you care? Why are you so bothered by a fucking children's toy? You don't even have kids. What the fuck do you care if they call potato heads or potato butts? What the fuck? It's today, it's kids' things. I mean, like, like I just like I keep thinking that like where does it end? Like where's the line? Like, like I'm all for inclusion, but where is the line? Like, like. I, and you're so mad about it. What, what, no, you what does it matter? No, if you want to be annoyed by something, be annoyed by the fact that the that the extra accessories for Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head is in a little slot in the backside. So you basically have to shove the extra eyes and stuff up their ass. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a weird design. <laughs> well, why are you not more insulted by that? <laughs> we're not going to be able to say my little pony. It's going to be my pony that's slightly different size than the other ponies. Like, it's like... Little has nothing to do with everything it. is just it's just so like And by the way, my little sorry ponies, things change. By the way, I mean, my little happens. ponies came off of an original toy called My Pretty Pony, which was a lot bigger. And when they made my pretty pony smaller, oh. they made that one my little pony. That, that just happened. The fact that those were more affordable, and that's the brand. That's the line that took off. And my pretty pony ended up getting screwed. But so there you go. I'm just saying the, pota- <laughs> the potato situation does not impact you in the slums. Sorry, um, I know Chris. I knew I, I was going to call you, but our guest is ready to come on. But I do want to go back and revisit this. Oh, I want to hear what our guest has to say about Mr. Yeah. <laughs> and then I want to continue this conversation because there's something else I want to share in regards to it. Okay, and I also want to hear what Chris has to say about this. Okay, our guest tonight, Shane Ryan, is a stand-up comedian who decided to take comedy films seriously. Yes, I said seriously. By creating the podcast Acting Funny, in which he explores 125 years of comedy on film, one year at a time. Please welcome our guest, Shane, to TMI Daily. Hi, Shane. How are you doing? Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be here. It's actually nice to talk to anybody when I'm not wearing a mask for a change, oh, so it's right? fun. 
<laughs> same way every day. Not a lot. <laughs> so, Shay, before we get started with um, to talk mm-hmm. talking about your podcast, you're a stand-up comic. How long have you been doing that? I started doing stand-up comedy about seven years ago. I started late. I was just about uh, to turn 44, 45. Uh, I was a, a late joiner to the uh, the world of stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the but, reason uh, Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to, I just, I, I got into it late, but I've always been a fan of comedy. And so that was, it was a nice change of pace for me. I left the world of PR and marketing uh, to do stand up. Oh, wow. That, that's a switch. <laughs> <laughs> Which one Not do you really. enjoy more? <laughs> what do you enjoy more? <laughs> oh, the comedy, for sure. <laughs> I, I can imagine. <laughs> so, when and why did you decide to start your podcast, Acting Funny? Well, uh, COVID, uh, as much as anything, it was uh, my last show live in front of an audience was February 29th uh, last year. Uh, and so I found myself with not a lot to do. Uh, you know, I was uh, looking for something to do to entertain myself, keep my brain busy. Uh, I like to do that. And so I, I sometimes I'll just give myself a project to work on. And I decided that I had a lot of free time to read uh, going on. And so I would get back into reading and gave myself a topic I wanted to read about. And I realized I love comedy film. But I realized I also didn't know a lot about the history of comedy film. I'm not a film expert or anything like that. I just wanted to learn about it. Uh, and as I read more and more, I kept thinking, these are fascinating stories. You know, I'd tell my wife about what I'd read and, uh, or tell the kids what I'd read. And when, if I hear about a documentary, I'd watch that. And I, I just kept saying, this is so fascinating what I'm learning. And then I finally just kind of came to the conclusion somewhere in the summer that this would actually be a good podcast idea is let people follow along as I'm learning. Uh, what this is. And that's kind of the whole concept of it is that I am, I always tell the people I interview, I'm not an expert on film. I, I have no degree in this. I, and I'm not, a, I didn't go to film school. I didn't do any of these things. Uh, I, I really want you to teach me. And so that's what they do. And so we, we learn about the history of film comedy one year at a time, starting with 1895, the very first comedy film. And then each episode we move forward one year and we talk about one film from that year. And we're, we're going to keep doing it until I guess somebody tells me to stop. I don't know. Uh, it'd be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you uh, choose like which movies you talk about or how do you break down each episode? Can you tell our audience a little bit more about sure. that? Sure. Well, the basic idea is I'm looking at uh, you know a, a year uh, and what I'm trying to figure out is basically a lot of times it would be based on the year before. You know, what did I learn then? Uh, and where does that naturally lead me to? Uh, who are some of the important figures in film comedy that I need to be aware of? Uh, who is emerging on the scene? Right now, the episodes are all in the 1890s. It's, so it's fascinating for me. It's, it's a period of film history that I know the least about. You know, I could probably talk to you about 1920s comedies. It's just a, you know, a little bit. Everybody knows Charlie Chaplin, things like this. When you start talking about 1890s comedy, I, I came in with I came in with pretty much a blank slate. So the episode starts with me kind of introducing the year, talking a little bit about the historical context, what's going on. Uh, I, the first interview segment is usually with a an expert uh, historian, obviously in these cases, who, who has some knowledge of the person or persons or the topic that I'm talking about. The second segment of the show is a little different, and that I just because of my stand up comedy, I wanted to do this. I bring in usually a comedian. Uh, for the second half of the show, who I find somebody, I try to find a comedian whose style of comedy or whose personal history matches up in some weird, odd way with 
what I'm talking about in the first segment. So as an example, for the 1896 episode, I was talking about Georges Méliès, a French filmmaker who was also a magician and did these things. Uh, and so for the second interview segment, I have a friend who is a comedy magician who had appeared on Penn & Teller's School Us. And so I interviewed him. And we talked about, and he's a, he had a great knowledge of the history of ma- magic. And so we talked about his comedy and magic and how that all worked out and kind of dove back into the film a little bit. And so I try to do that with each episode where there's a little bit of here's the history. And then I try to bring it back to a modern context with somebody who's actually working in the comedy world today. I love that. That is so interesting how you incorporate the stand-up comic, you know, with, with each, in each episode. That's great. So then you're basically going back to the origins of motion pictures if you're going that far back. Is there something that you learned about early um, screen comedians? Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, everything has been fascinating to learn. Uh, my personal favorite right now that I'm working on researching with and getting ready, the episode I'm working on getting ready to go out with is about a husband and wife team from England in the 1890s, uh, George Albert Smith and Laura Bailey. And George is noted, he's of, of the two, he's the best known. He's noted as, as, he's noted as being the director of the films. But the real star of the whole partnership, I think, is his wife, Laura Bailey, who had performed, was a singer and a comedian in English music halls in the 1890s and 1880s. And she is the one who performs as the lead actress in most of his films. Uh, she also very likely is the writer of these films and in some cases may also be uncredited as the director of the film. Uh, and that's one of the things I'm really enjoying is finding out about the hidden role of women uh, in comedy in the 1890s particularly. And Laura Bailey is a great example of that. I think she there's a case to be made that she is Britain's first great film comedian. Uh, and, uh, and so learning about her work with George Albert Smith and what they did together and how they worked together uh, and the films they made. Because essentially, Smith is credited with one of the things he gets to do is he more or less invents editing. He's one of the inventors of film editing. <laughs> you know, and, and can you imagine seeing a film with no editing? I mean, so the, what he does with the idea of introducing the point of view shot and, and multiple scenes in a film, these are all things that he's coming up with on the fly. That's the fun thing about this is you, when you study it this way from chronologically, you're learning, you're watching the language of film being invented before your eyes. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, so how many films can listeners expect you to break down in about a year? Like approximately. Ooh, well, the goal, the goal is to do about two episodes a month. Uh, if I can pull that off, uh, the it's, I've divided it up. My original goal was to do 125 weeks in a row, 125 years. And then I also realized I'm a human being and that's insane. Uh, so I'm breaking it into seasons. So the first season uh, that's in progress now will run through 1904. Uh, so we'll get 10 years covered in the first season. And that gets us to the birth of the creation of the first standalone movie theaters. Uh, and that's kind of a natural drop breaking point for us to go into season two. So we'll take a few weeks off and then start season two. So in the course of a year, I'm hoping we'll get through 20, 30 movies, uh, and then, see where we go from there. You know, 20 is probably realistic uh, on that end. 30 is a goal. Uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. That's great. Um, is there like one or more periods you haven't covered yet that you think would be considered the best times for movie comedies? Well, I think the golden age, of course, of silent comedy is one that everybody uh, has some familiarity with. And that's what I'm looking forward to getting to uh, the 1920s, late 1920s uh, with Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, these characters uh, that we know about. Um, and then I think that the 1940s have a great period. Anything Preston Sturges puts his name on is going to be fantastic. 
and and he's one of my favorite directors. So I'm looking forward to getting into the 1940s and talking about his work as well. But really, I mean, the 60s have a big heyday for film comedy as well. You look at some of the even the best the, the Academy Award winners. The Academy Award uh, the Academy doesn't hand out awards to comedies a lot, but they did a lot in the 60s. Uh, you had a lot of comedies getting recognized then. And then there's like a second heyday like that in the 1980s, uh, really. Uh, where comedy kind of has its moment in the sun with pop culture and even with artistic recognition. And that's one of the things I wanted to do with this podcast is, uh, as I, the, the tagline I always say is, is I take comedy seriously is I wanted to look at this as not just sitting around making fun and talking about movies, but really analyzing why they're funny, what makes them funny, what makes them work and what are they trying to teach us? Because I think that's the thing about comedy that we all kind of appreciate is that comedy reflects who we are as a society. What we laugh at says a lot about who we are. And so that's what I want to learn with this. How has that changed from the 125 years of the birth of comedy film to today? What have we learned uh, about who we are and who are we becoming? Yeah. Uh, I actually thought of another question that I don't have in my notes. Sure. I want to ask it since you just brought up the 1940s. So Pete and I, we live together because we're also married. Um, we started watching, <laughs> we started oh, watching a lot of 1940s comedies over the holidays. And then we just mm-hmm. kind of turned it into a thing that we do. And we like watching what they call those screwball comedies. So oh, when yeah. we put one on, we just say, oh, it's a screwball comedy. Now, I, I can identify it by watching it. But how would you define that? Like for someone who's never heard that term, how do you personally define that? Well, a screwball comedy is... Uh, You've got a couple of things working. The, the dialogue is a key part. It's a lot of this really fast uh, dialogue, a lot of just kind of just crazy talking conversations going on, a lot of fast bickering. It's it's usually a screwball comedy is a way for comedy to get around the censors. Uh, so you have these a lot of the screwball comedies you note are a lot about there's it's a lot about sex, but never talking about sex. Yeah. Uh, and, and what that is, is that's why the crazy conversations take place, why these wild antics, all of these antics are about how can we let this man and this woman, this couple express their frustration to the audience that they can't have sex with each other, but do it in a way that we're not telling the censors they're upset about not having sex with each other. And, <laughs> and so they end up in wild dilemmas. Uh, you know, there's a great one on TV tonight. Uh, that's one of my favorites, the Palm Beach story. It's a great screwball comedy, Preston Sturges again. Uh, but it's, uh, they're always at that. So it, you usually find yourself in some sort of weird, almost completely fantastical, unrealistic scenario with this wonderful, wisecracking, fast dialogue. Uh, and again, it's, it, that's that's the definition of a screwball comedy. It's just everything is just screwy. Uh, but it's when you look at it and start peeling the layers back, it is a sex comedy with no sex in it. That's yeah, what it that's is. That's a very interesting description. Yeah. Okay. There so before is. I open it up to the panel, one final question for you: favorite comedy films and your favorite comedic actors. Sure. Favorite comedy film. It's going to depend on the era, but I'll say that I'll, I'll go with the, I'll go with the first movie I ever saw in a theater. Uh, I was five years old and it was 1974 and my parents, for no apparent reason, took me to see Blazing Saddles. And <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Which is a terrible choice for a five year old. But, but as a five year old, the only comedy I got was the campfire scene. It's the only one that made sense to me. Everything yeah. else is over my head. Um, <laughs> The, Maybe but punching I love, the horse. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Really, yeah, really. Uh, Mongo, just a pawn. And, and, but I love Mel Brooks from then on because that was the first time I sat in a, in a theater and watched 
and felt an audience of people laughing at the same thing at the same time and realizing the power of what that was and was just in from the get that point movies were I wanted to watch every movie I could watch and especially when they make people laugh and I, you know, it gets me into the stand-up comedy part as well, I guess so later on down the road, but, but yeah, Mel Brooks, anything Mel Brooks puts his hands on is going to be a thing for me that I'm going to love watching. One of my favorite film comedians of all time though is Danny Kay. Uh, I can't go, you can't not laugh at most of whatever Danny Kay does. And his wife wrote for him. She was brilliant uh, writing the jokes and, and a lot of the songs that he sang uh, and he just performed them just marvelously. Okay, well, I'm going to open it up to the panel now. Um, let's start with you, Pete. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, Shane. Hey, um, thanks for having first, me. First, I want to say that my parents took me to see The Exorcist when I was a kid. So and, and <laughs> if you knew my parents, you'd understand that that made sense. Yeah, this um, is why parental guidance was invented later. So Yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they, exactly. That was, that was like very indicative of my childhood. Um, yeah. But no, I, I mean, one of the things I, I find fascinating about comedy on film is that it feels like every era up until a certain point, the, the comedy was based on the limitations of the time. So like, mm-hmm. like if you're talking about the, the silent film era, it was all slapstick comedy for the most part. And then when you got into the, the first talkies, they brought in a lot of the, like the, the vaudeville actor, actors. So you saw like the, the uh, W.C. Fields, the Abbott and Costellos, people like that. And then when you got to the, the, the years with the, where the Hayes Code was in place, then you got the screwball comedies, because like you said, they were kind of sex comedies without the, the comedy. Now that we live in, in, in this era where there really is no restrictions and there's no boundaries to what you can, what you can and can't do, are, do you think that there's, there's anything that defines this time in, in comedy on film, or are we just kind of in a free-for-all now? Well, it, it looks like a free-for-all, but I was actually just having this conversation with somebody I'm interviewing for an episode, oddly enough, about 1903, but we're, we had this very similar conversation, where I think that what you see when you look at the comedy today is over this 125-odd years of film comedy, what, we've, what we're seeing is today is that comedy looks less like comedy. I think comedy's DNA is really just getting infused in everything else, mm. uh, so that it's hard to really point to a film. There's a few, like... a. Uh, uh, the new one with the uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, oh, Barb and Star uh, go to Vista Del Mar. Barb and Star go to Vista Mar. I mean, that's a that's just a flat out comedy. comedy. Yeah, but but it's hard to find movies like that where you say this is a comedy. Anymore, there's a comedy, but it's also a drama or it's an action film. I mean, Ant Man. I think it's a great comedy, but it's also not. Uh, it's it's an action film, uh, and uh, that's kind of the thing. I think that's what this era is defined by is that comedy has been spliced into the DNA of all the other film art forms. So to the point where now we just recognize that it's comedy, not just for comedic relief, but it's actually a part of the storytelling. Uh, and so there's no, it's hard to say that this movie is a comedy anymore. I just watched, uh, uh, I care a lot, uh, yesterday. Uh, and it's like, this was a, it's supposed to be a comedy, but I was so terrified during most of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this a comedy? But it is, but it's not. But I think that's really the way comedy is now, is it, it is blended into everything else. It's hard to find. A, and that's what I think this era is defined by, is comedy is a part of just, it's the water you swim in, it's the air you breathe. Mm. Okay. Elizabeth. Um, out of curiosity, is there an era of comedy that you're not looking forward to? Like, I've had a lot of people who kind of, say the 2000s, like 2000 to 2010 is, is a little rough. 
I don't know. I think that if you look, you can find something that's good about any era. Uh, yeah. I, I think there are going to be eras that are more challenging uh, than mm-hmm. others in some ways. Uh, but that's one of the things that's nice about this is I'm not making this purely from an American perspective either. I mm. mean, uh, it is a worldwide because comedy is invented and comedy film is invented in France. You know, And so it'll be like probably eight or nine episodes into the whole first season before we do our first American film. And I intend to keep a global perspective of that as we keep yeah. going on. So if, if American comedy doesn't look so hot in 2000, <laughs> what was France doing? What was Spain doing? What was going on in China? Uh, I think these are things worth looking at because these all influence each other. Mm-hmm. If there's a, a topic I'm debating, I am going to do it because it has to be talked about, but it's not going to be comfortable. But I, I think that you have to have uncomfortable conversations about comedy is I am devoting an episode to blackface comedy mm-hmm. uh, in the early silent era. Uh, and talking about how and why that exists. And we're going to go back and talk about the minstrel shows in the 1800s and on forward, and then carry it on forward again into today's world. Uh, but that's the thing I'm going to work on because I think you've got to talk about all of it. You've got to, you've got to say this is because again, how, what we laugh at says who we are. Mm -hmm. And we also can look at what we used to laugh at and decide, do we still laugh at that? and and see how we've changed and that's so there'll be some i think some topics that will be uncomfortable i don't know if there's any eras that are uncomfortable mm-hmm. makes sense yeah uh joe um uh which kind of goes to my question just real quick before that the golden globes have been figuring out how to make non-comedies comedies for many many years now so because yeah. <laughs> the martian Hilarious. Uh, I think it's promising young women in the category, comedy uh, category, because that is a laugh riot. The, the tourist? Oh my god, laugh riot. Um, okay, so this brings up a good point, which you just mentioned, was because um, you're going through all of this, and, and most of all of us here are, are comics, and we all know that comedy is rarely evergreen. It's always what's going on at the moment, what's going on at mm-hmm. the time. But what, since you're going back to this really early stuff, which I'm really finding fascinating too. What are, are some of the themes that just seem to stick around and come? What are some of the things that are even early on is funny that we still think of funny today? If it's funny now, it was funny then. I mean, there's the universal approach of it. It's you know, all the early comedies are going to be pranks. Uh, the very first comedy film is a prank. Uh, the kid steps on the nose. It's a yeah. It's 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 that. It's you know. Anytime there's a a, a love triangle, that's going to be funny. Uh, those are all the things. If a man is trying to woo a woman in 1895, it's as funny then as it is now, uh, especially because he doesn't know how to do it. And there's that going on. Uh, it, it's what I'm really commenting on and loving right now is is and I look forward to get exploring this idea a little further is what you see in these old films, the 1890s, they're only about 40 seconds long, a minute and a half long, two minutes long. It's literally as much film as the camera would hold. Uh, and so they make this film. But what you see in those films is not much different than what you see in Vine and TikTok now, uh, or Vine 10 years ago, TikTok now. And uh, I think we always reinvent that. We take these same basic universal concepts, whether it's uh, somebody feeding their baby in a high chair uh, in the 1890s or Charlie bit my finger on YouTube. Uh, These whole little things, they they, they echo each other. But these things that we laugh at are universal. A person falling down on a banana peel is funny in 1895. It's funny now. It's just that we might not use a banana peel anymore, but there's some other thing that makes them fall down that makes us laugh. Pratt falls like that. Physical humor all that kind of stuff still plays out 125 years later. Um, any more questions for Shane? Chris, go ahead. 
Quick question. So, sure. you know, uh, you know, we've been talking. You know, a lot of times they say like, you know, the movies that come from certain decades or whatever is like is like part of what's going on. But I also think that there sometimes there are uh, uh, comedy movies or even television shows or whatever that kind of don't really represent that time period. They were just like somebody taking a chance on something like wacky. And then that comedy kind of defines like that, that decade or that generation. So I'm looking at, do you, do you agree with that? Because I think something like, uh, uh, like Jackass, like Jackass, I don't think it's like a remnant of what was going on in the time when it was popular. It was just somebody just, you know, they saw this shit and they saw like, it, it, you know, it was something that people wanted to watch like on YouTube and then they put it out. And like now we do define like 2001 to like 2008 mm-hmm. of Jackass there. You know what I mean? It's kind sure. of because of Jackass that we, you know. Well, yeah, I think there's something to that. I think that uh, but you'd also going back to the previous question, mm-hmm. uh, you would be you'd be surprised. I was interviewing a professor of film history from University of Michigan for the uh, episode about George Melier, uh, the mm-hmm. French filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And he made the case that Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass movies have a if not a direct line of descent from George Melier's films, there is at least a connection because George Melier also did a lot of prank filming. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the idea that uh, that carries that thread through, but yeah, you can have somebody who will hit on an idea uh, that may seem new uh, like Jackass. It was, right. it, but it's born of something and it does come to define an era. Uh, certainly because I think with Jackass, you have the advantage of the history of YouTube and everything else. So it's just a perfect blending of all these things kind of coming together with MTV and everything happening at once. Uh, but then you have like the other piece of that puzzle is often a movie that's set in a year uh, is not about the year it's set in or made in. It's about some other time. I mean, mm-hmm. MASH by Robert Altman is a perfect example. It's a movie about the Korean War, uh, set in the Korean War, but that movie's about Vietnam. Every bit of it is about Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so you have that all the time going on where what they're talking about, and that's what the comedy always does is we all know it's about misdirection so much. It's you talk about something, uh, but you're talking about something else while you're talking about that thing. Yeah. Um, any more questions? No? Well, Shane, um, can you let our audience know how often you put out episodes and where they can sure. you acting funny? Well, as I said, the goal is twice a month, uh, trying to get there. Uh, right now, you can go to actingfunnypodcast.com. Uh, you'll find all the information there about the episodes. I'm trying to put together a very uh, thick online bibliography so you'll li- i'll list all the films that get mentioned during the each episode as well as links to academic resources links to imdb pages things like that so it's actingfunnypodcast.com and from there you'll find links to all the social media twitter is where i'm most active with this uh, but i do have a facebook page and an instagram page but i've never been cool enough for instagram and uh so i'll I have to learn how to use it sometimes so my kids have to show me uh so there's that but yeah it's uh so i'm there and i'm trying to be you know i do a, a monthly newsletter email to let you know what's coming up who i've been interviewing different topics and i'll talk about even just things that are going on in modern comedy news like previewing this weekend's golden globes was the last of the newsletter in which comedy films were nominated for the golden globes uh, and so there's a little of that going on, but yeah, at least once or twice a month we're doing it. I, if I get to my regular plan, plan will be every other Monday uh, as we roll forward from there. I was on your webpage today and I liked it because it was kind of like a study guide. It was very interesting. Yeah. I like that you have it set up. So great. Well, well thank you. Jane, you're more than welcome to stay with us for the last part of the show, or if you want to sure. sign off or if you need to sign off, you know, please uh, do what you need to do. Okay, All right. 
we were talking about the Mr. Potato controversy and Chris had something to say about that. So Chris, I'm dying to hear what you have to say. You die. They set me up for failure. Like it's gonna be so uh underwhelming. But uh so I kinda I gotta agree with so Elizabeth and, and Pete were kinda going at each other, but I kinda agree with both sides. But here's the thing about it is it's like there is kind of an overcorrection that's going on in our society. And so things are getting ridiculous, but that's kind of what it has to do because it's going to like offset itself and kind of restart the game and get things back to a, a more logical way of thinking. But I did think about the whole Mr. Potato Head or Miss Potato Head thing or like them, you know, basically turned it, you know, non, you know, conforming. It's not that they're doing it, that it kind of uh, makes it annoying. It's the fact that they announced it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you made this big announcement, like, you're, like, trying to show the world that, hey, we're progressive, you know, it's been Mr. Potato Head for so long, but now we're not saying it's, you know, like, it's, you know, just launch the motherfucking, like, what happened to the times when toys and things were just advertised? Just launch a new brand. Just say, hey, look, our new Mr. Potato Head toy or new fucking line of Potato Heads, instead of that calling it Mr. Potato Head, now we're just calling Potato Heads, and we got these wacky figures, like, we got a fucking monkey Potato Head, a fucking gremlin Potato Head, a motherfucking, you know, I Love Lucy Potato Head, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, just don't announce it. That's the part that makes it already, They already have the Lucy Potato Head, by the way. I, I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> that back in the day, they just announced that's, the new toy. It's an anniversary gift. Like, <laughs> the thing is, like, the the way they they did about it, it's like they have to stand on a mountain and like shout to the heavens like hey we're progressive we're making it like just put up just make a commercial like every other product in the world people will see it and then they'll go to the stores and buy it for the fucking kids That's but people will still flip out if they just did it people would be like why isn't there more Mr Potato Heads they they're damned if they do damned if they don't I know but also the, the announcing of it makes it a bigger issue than it has to be and that's the part that's like keeping us from progressing because when you make it. When you try, when people, all these virtue signaling fucking companies that are doing that, it makes people roll their fucking eyes and like, and it makes it, it kind of undermines the whole movement that we're trying to work towards as a society. When you make it that, you know what I mean? Like, if you, 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 when you commercialize a movement, it automatically makes it loses power. That's like the same thing. Like, if I were to come out with like a whimsical Black Lives Matter shirt, like that would be insulting to the movement. Like, I'm not gonna fucking show up with That's fucking true. Felix the Cat on my shirt. You know, to talk about Black Lives Matter, like that's that's dumb. That's it's ridiculous, and that's like what I think about this whole announcement. Just fucking launch a commercial. That's all you do, and then everybody will pick up on it. They'll see that you're moving forward, and nobody will probably give a fuck. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Well, uh, while Chris was talking, the estate for uh, Charles Dickens came out and said that all future editions of uh, Christmas Carol, Tiny Tim's name is going to be changed to High Ch- High Challenge Tim. Just just wanted to let you know. Didn't didn't want like anybody to think that that was like it's going to be a surprise around Christmas. Petite, this year. petite Jim, petite Jim. That's not. <laughs> no, you can't say petite. That's, that's, <laughs> that, might, that might offend people that that are petite. Uh, high challenge. He's high challenge, Tim. They they are height challenged. Oh, yeah, they are height challenged. <laughs> <laughs> It's, we're, just, we're just way too sensitive. I mean, like Chris said, you know what? They could have just changed the name. They could have, like, eliminated the mister on the box and not said anything. But this was pandering to, to, to like, groups that, that feel like you have to say everybody. Everybody is included with Mr. Potato Head. I'm sorry. Nobody, nobody was ever, like, Mr. Potato Head never once said to anybody, listen, I like, I, I, I like uh, people of color, but those those people, the, 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 the homosexuals, I'm not big on. Like, right. <laughs> Never said that. 
Like it never came up. Not in one Toy Story was there a gay joke. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's like, and also, Mr. Potato Head or Mr. Potato Head never had genitalia. So who gives a fuck what like yeah. you say on the box? Like they, like literally, they're interchangeable. You buy a regular Potato Head and get the parts, and you can mix and mingle them. Like it doesn't matter. Tell that to the people, to the two dads who have blown themselves up trying to build a gender reveal bomb. Tell me that gender doesn't matter to people. <laughs> Some guy the other day died uh, yeah. in New York. Listen, two dads have killed themselves with fucking gender I reveal pipe bombs. I, I, I know. I know. People are crazy. Listen, I'm not worried about any of this. Look, look at my head. I've always been included with the Mr. I've always been included with the Mr. Potato Head line. <laughs> the point I was going to make was, was you were complaining about you know Mr. Potato Head changing or Barbie changing. Are they such sacred institutions no, that, they, that they resist Thank you. change? That's so, not the point. I, but I agree with Chris's point though too that like yeah, it was a little. I'm not saying they aren't like, but what company hasn't been like you know Pandas. Oreos today treat, tweeted like we're we you know. All tra- you know, trans lives are, are value matter or whatever. I forget what the actually said, but one of my friends retweeted like, "Imagine finding out about you know the existence of trans people from fucking Oreos." Yeah, right. I don't deny corporate, but corporations are going to corporate, man. That's what they do. It's really great cash thing though, because there was a, a few years ago in Target, there was a group that was really really mad because boys' toys would be blue. And girls' toys would be pink, and they mm-hmm. didn't think that that really would have made a difference. And then the companies came back and was like, "Listen, it's not us. It's when we put it out there that's yeah. what the kids want." Because it used to be reverse. I don't know if you know. Back in the turn of the century, boys was, was the pink color, color and yeah. girls was the blue color. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and that reversed because girls liked pink better and boys liked blue better. It's just there's I don't know if there's some sort of scientific thing behind it. But if they said it, they put ten bicycles out with ten different colors. Almost all the girls would go for the pink one. Almost all the boys would go for the blue one. Or, you know, maybe a red one. I don't know. You know, but this is the whole point was that it's not, it's not like us saying, you know, pink is for girls and blue is for boys. It's the kids saying that and we're just, we just want to get your money. But it's, so. just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's maybe it's again just to, to, to get people like us to talk about it because uh, yeah, really, that, there's really no way to like, go through the roof, baby. Yeah, yeah, not a week. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying like if buy that Hasbro like, stock, everybody, because potato heads are going through the roof now that we no, talked about it. I'm going to crash the Hasbro While you're at it, while you're at it, get that clam chowder stock. Who was talking about potato heads before? Today, and I'm not talking. I'm not saying us in particular. I'm talking it's in general. Society, I mean, man. It's this like, is it's some like, secret like, GameStop scam, isn't just, it? <laughs> I just find that, like we can't. We we don't have to put a label on everything. Like tomorrow, we don't. And that's have what to they care. were. That's what they're not doing. They're not yeah, labeling the, the potatoes. But, but, but the thing was, we also like those things already existed. Just get something new. Like just have a, 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 an ambiguous potato head. Like. Like Hollywood and Hollywood and media are out of new ideas. That's why they're constantly rebooting yeah, I know, everything. But, but I get that. But like, instead of like Barbie coming out with sexually ambiguous Ken or or uh, willing to experiment PJ, like they could just come out with another another doll. Like it doesn't like another I, Barbie doll. It could be like Marcy, the girl you just can't tell. Like, um, like, like so it's like it doesn't matter. I mean, like. We just, it doesn't, I, mean, like, I just don't get, like, why why we have to just constantly, like, like everything's got to be neutral now. It's just, I feel free to jump in and well, not well, <laughs> well, also, well, also, well, one of the reasons, and I'm not saying that everybody's 100% right for doing this, but generally, and this is a broad generalization, 
a lot of times feminine things are considered weaker, lesser, less desirable, you know, and so, yeah, they're just trying to, I'm not saying Hasbro's breaking the chains of right. the patriarchy yeah. or anything, yeah. don't do not get me wrong. <laughs> they're not here to save the day. Uh, one potato head at a time, we're breaking the <laughs> One potato head at a time, baby, we're gonna lift those bonds. Grass ceiling, shatter, one potato head at a time. I checked a potato through that glass ceiling. Women got the vote, and then potato Potatoes. But, you know, but a lot but how many times have been like oh that thing's for girls and that's kind of had a negative connotation the boy's toy is better or the boy's toy is cooler i know my frustration as a kid is sometimes yeah the girl toys are lame because they think you're only gonna do x y and z it's only like a certain type of thing and so i would you know you request the boy toy and i think removing those labels is not a big deal in terms of like can i just have the cool toolbox toy and if it comes in, but, and they weren't equal though, either. Like the girl's toolbox toy, while pink and purple, which I liked, like had fewer tools or didn't do as much, but the boys tool chest that's blue and yellow is like your own tiny power saw. Fucking go for it, kiddo. <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff that I think is good yeah. to change. And that's why I don't think it's a, that big a deal that this shit changes. See, the thing is, I'm not like, I'm not against inclusion. I think inclusion is a great thing. I just think that like, you could include, but but you don't have to change the things that already exist in order inclusion to inclusion is change though. You're changing what is yeah, being included. You're, you're, that's semantics. What you're, you're using like a, an argument that were you not you were kind of doing that to me too. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that like you can. There could have been a Mister Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, a Potato Head. Uh, a, I'm not sure what I am head. Like it's like you could do a lot of things. It doesn't really matter. I mean, like. But you, you, but it's like to make a like they said in the statement. They said in the statement that this was to make everybody feel includes, included. And you know what? You don't. And that's just marketing. That. Path, like, we a know fucking that. Toy. Yeah. Like that's what I'm trying to get at. Is it like where does like where do where where are we going? Where everything like like you're right. Like pink bikes, blue bikes. Maybe we shouldn't make either anymore. Maybe every bike should be gray like a gender neutral color, because then we're not telling people that women should like pink and men should like blue. Let's get rid of those. Let's not not have all three options. But no, but what I'm just getting at is that why is why is it stop? Why does it have to stop? Great, why not include all three? Because there are people that would probably tell you that having blue and red uh, blue bikes and 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 pink bikes are are somehow or another going to a going to make like marginalize one sex over uh, over another like there are people that are going to make those arguments i mean elizabeth we know people that are very sensitive about that are overly sensitive about things and it's like and there are you know and like i said i'm not i'm not saying that you should do any of that stuff what i'm saying is that you can have a mr potato head and also a potato head you could have both i don't i just don't understand why it's like such a big deal that that like like, we have to like we have to tell the world okay we're we're We've grown enough to now just take the mister off the name of potato head. Because it's not how you know, like yeah. if you want to see like what a story this is for a lot of people and how personally they're taking the story. Michael McKeon, who I just adore, one of my favorite actors, he tweeted earlier today. So what's next? Sis Pac-Man, Pac-Man, and he got so much heat for that tweet. I mean, the comments. If you just go down the line and read all these comments. I was like, what is that? I mean, I actually had to look up like sis. I'm like, is that something that I'm supposed to know? Is it, you know, and then 
Like you read all what all these people are saying and they're like, oh, you know, how dare you? You know, it, this is all about inclusivity and whatnot. But a lot of people are really taking this very personal. Yes, the whole mm-hmm. Like I said, three people have, th- at least three people have died during a gender reveal party. So tell me gender doesn't fucking matter in this country. <laughs> yeah, but but the, the people that died during the gender reveal parties were probably lucky that they're gone. Well, they also burned down half of California, is, so. If you're, using ex- if, you're losing, if you're using explosives to reveal what, what sex your child is, you, they, you probably shouldn't be anywhere near other human beings. <laughs> Appropriate. Well, would it just not come down to the idea that I think somebody would just, if they looked at Hasbro's numbers, the question to ask is, how many Mrs. Potato Heads were they selling? And that's the reason probably for the decision as much as anything. But Because the idea that someone mentioned a minute ago with, hey, now if it's just the Potato Heads, you can sell all the little extras with it without having to bundle them as Mrs. Potato Head and Mr. Potato Head. You can mm-hmm. still sell the accessories. You know, and here's a secret for everybody. Uh, you can actually use a real potato. That was how the toy was invented in the first place. Uh, so you don't have, you can use a non-gendered actual potato and, and put your, stick your lips on it and have fun with it. But I think it comes down to, yeah, it's marketing. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, again, uh, I was, uh, I, my favorite toys were dolls. But they called them action figures because boys wouldn't buy dolls. And, dolls are uh, bad. Dolls, dolls are, are bad. You can't have but, a doll. But my Princess Leia action figure was perfectly fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> this has always been a part of it. I think of an evolution, isn't it? Not uh, change is always there. It's, it's we're just adapting to what the next generation is telling us they want to the labels to be used as, and and. As adults, we can rail against that. We can be old man yelling at a cloud, uh, but uh, at some point we just adapt, or we don't. You know, we adapt or die. And uh, if if people want potato heads to be gender gender neutral, fine. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't change my childhood uh, in any way. It's like those people always say, well, the Ghostbusters ruined my childhood when they made it all women Ghostbusters. Like that didn't affect my childhood at all. Uh, it. it uh, didn't do a thing. And, and this is what I hear these same arguments now. They're trying to ruin our childhood making the potatoes gender neutral. But the potatoes never had a gender. Right. They were potatoes. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go into science, you know, there are male and female plants. So I'm just saying, like, I'm sure. be careful yeah. what you're saying, Shane. Yeah. You might. I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of comic who does stamen jokes. But anyway. <laughs> I think we argue that Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head really was just Mr. Potato Head and drank. I mean, there was. There really is no way to argue. With, you so, so you're saying that they were always gender non-conforming to begin with? Oh. This is just the dumbest argument in the world. This is like just this and because this is where I think about it, like how I think about it. Like they announced this today, and clearly, you know, Shane is right because this is all about marketing. It has nothing to do with them feeling like they need to yeah. include anybody. It's mm. it's all about marketing. But what I what I ask myself is. Is there somebody alone in a room today that's crying tears of joy because the potato heads are now are now um, not not based on a gender? I mean, like I don't think so. Like I don't think if I go if I go you know you know somewhere into the city, there's going to be people dancing in the street because now they got potato heads. But is there a six year old who's happier now that they can don't have to gender assign the potato? Okay, that they can play with it. Yeah, and that's and that's who the audience is for the potato head. If you're worried about how 40-year-olds are reacting to a potato head toy, then that's your bigger problem. 
Yeah. You, should, you should be mad at capitalism for making you so mad about change. It's yeah. capitalism it's, that you should be mad How are at. the six-year-olds handling this news? That's who the audience is for this. Does, does the, the, do the six-year-olds even know, though? I mean, like, the no, they don't. I don't, yeah, like, I don't think yeah, six-year-olds play with potato heads anymore. They're all like, and I that's why they made a new potato there's, line. There's your reason for the change. Right. Yeah. To make six-year-olds interested in playing with it again. Correct. I mean, that's one thing. I'll, I'll say this. One of the things I love about uh, my kids hate me for saying this. I love to play Animal Crossing, uh, and what I love about Animal Crossing is is that it is. If I want my character to wear a dress today, just because I feel like I've got one, it fell from a tree, and I got a dress now, and I'm going to wear it, then fine, I will. Uh, tomorrow, I might wear a tuxedo or cargo shorts. I don't know, but I'm not obligated to be anything. I just play the game and enjoy it and be what I want it to be that day. And maybe that's what Hasbro is trying to get on board as well with the idea that it's just eh, this generation doesn't care about that. That's not a thing for them. They don't uh, feel obligated to be. Any they don't feel thing, it. Yeah. So, so, so why to force be them forced? To? Yeah. <laughs> Shane, are we the same person? <laughs> <laughs> I think we have the same glasses. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> okay, something weird just happened. <laughs> We Freaky Friday, it's going to be real weird. (laughs) Tonight's final story I really want to talk about is about Gwyneth Paltrow. The UK's National Health Service has asked Gwyneth Paltrow to stop blogging about her fasting regimen and the supplement she used to help her with a recent COVID-19 infection because the NHS thinks she's going to give the public bad information that might lead to infected people doing themselves more harm. So my question to you is, and my final question of the night, should health services really be trying to help anyone who would take disease advice from Gwyneth Paltrow? Now, before we start, let me just talk about her for a second. She's an incredible actress. I think she's a fantastic, she's so good at what she does, especially in The Politician. She was great in that. Her mom was better. You know, okay, but she's better at that. Put it what she does. I don't know. The actor. You should say actor. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Actor. So um, I don't know what makes her an expert in these things. So these are some of the things that she said in the past. And this is like verified. I'm not making any of this stuff up. Um, She once did an eight day goat milk cleanse. And she said everybody should do that. Um, she said bee sting facials were a good idea. Oh. She also gave a step-by-step guide to how to yawn properly, that you have to tilt your head back a certain way. She also said that you, women should steam their vaginas once in a while. And Not true. And <laughs> I it's mean, worked. it's true she said that, but don't do that. <laughs> and eggs made of jade into the vagina. Oh. And she also said that we should never hurt water's feelings because it could change the structure. A couple of things that she's like blogged about. So my question is what makes her such an expert? Like how do, Oh yeah. Let, let me definitely listen to Gwyneth fucking Paltrow about COVID. It's insane. <laughs> Chris, Let's start with you. Uh, first of all, this is not that crazy because I'm pretty sure uh, our ex commander in chief was telling people to fucking drink Clorox. So, I mean, is this really so crazy to think that somebody's actually, you know, a supplement that you could take that won't kill you at immediate contact? Hey, it's not bizarre. Also, uh, I, I don't have much to say on this subject, but I feel like 
Gwyneth Paltrow and Jaden Smith are competing for who can say the most craziest shit. Because if you've <laughs> ever looked at Jaden Smith's like fucking uh, Twitter, it's bizarre. Like he says shit like that. He's like, "Do you think clouds have feelings? If they did, what would they say?" Like he says shit like that and oh. thinks it's like fire. Like he thinks about it, tweets it out. And like this is gonna get him. This is the. It's gonna get people thinking. Like and you can't even. And it's like I hate when people say those are stoner thoughts because like no, I thought of some silly shit based though, but I ain't never thought of for clouds have fucking feelings. Like what the fuck. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, here's the thing, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried low key because, like, this, like, the way that she's speaking, the things that she's saying, like, somebody needs to take her to the doctor because it sounds like something somebody who's like having a stroke would say. Like, this is all like stroke symptoms. Like, check her left side; she might be going. <laughs> like, make sure she's not passing out. But I also got to give her credit because low key, she might be a genius because. She did make like I think two million dollars off of selling candles that smell like her vagina. So like I don't know. Maybe we should listen to a few things she has to say. I don't know. Okay, I want to know who bought those candles more than anything. I, listen, I don't want to be friends with any. Her, of them. her, and Erica Badu g'd off on the vagina scent fucking <laughs> candles. They both made a, a shit ton of money on that shit. I don't know Renee, how. Renee, what is that smell in your house? It's just. What is that? <laughs> I'll tell you why people think she's an expert. Money. She's rich and white and blonde and has and has hours to noodle around with bizarro, you know, treatments. Everyone's looking for any kind of shortcut to anything. And so if you're just supposed to chug goat milk for eight days, maybe you'll end up looking like what is Paltrow? You won't. Goat you'll probably end up with like uh, either too much pooping or too little. I really don't know. Uh, I am not a doctor. Probably too much. Yeah, yeah, probably too much. I think it's too much. Yeah, Uh, goat milk is hella thick, so you'd be shitting water basically. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and and every and we don't trust experts on shit anymore either, especially in in America. So everybody's like, I I always joke like, someone uh, I saw posted about the COVID vaccine and there was like something about side effects. I'm like, this is why I'm not going to take it. Rewrites your RNA. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know like our fucking film degree from Michigan state also made us immunology experts. What the fuck are you talking about? You don't know. You're not a doctor. You edit for a living. What the hell? Like, <laughs> that's so I bet everybody's just convinced they know better than uh, doctors for uh, whatever reason. I know there's like anthropological explanations i don't know what they are off the top of my head but uh yeah so everyone's just looking for a quick fix and if jamming a jade egg up your your business will i don't even know what it does um i don't remember what she said that that did but i don't really care uh, yeah it doesn't really matter because you're not supposed to every doctor every actual doctor was like don't do that don't (laughs) steam your business either don't do any of the things she's telling you to do um, but wasn't it a great American or American who thought he was great, uh, who said, uh, when you're famous, they'll let you do anything? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it applies here as well. Very sure. true. Very true. Uh, Pia, and then we'll finish with Joe. Go ahead. See, I, I think the fact that, it, that the, uh, the British were the ones who decided to put out, like to ask her not to do this and kind of warn people that they shouldn't probably be listening to her kind of proves again why the British are smarter than we are. Because because the thing is, like, if you look at the last year, it's pretty clear Americans aren't very smart. Like, like the, is the minute that Gwyneth Paltrow starts telling you how to, how to combat the COVID virus, if you've gotten it, right. they should have, like, done one of those emergency warning things on television where they just <laughs> right. 
And 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 Joe Biden comes out and explains why what if Paltrow's an asshole? Listen, Jack, I, she's a fucking moron. <laughs> that would be no, because I mean, think, I mean, honestly, the British, the British got ahead of it. They were smart. They were like, this, yeah. somebody might listen to her. Let's let's tell everybody not to ahead of time. But you know, there's clearly somebody here in the United States who's like, oh, I just got COVID. Let me not eat. Let me eat only once every 17 hours, and then eat a little bit. But then eat a lot 12 hours later, and then a little bit, and then yeah, because. Gwyneth Paltrow is the one who should. I, I, we should be listening to her, not Dr. Fauci. I, I don't know why we're listening to Fauci. <laughs> Joe, finish us off. <laughs> hey, listen. Oh. Uh, you know, we all know that the goop is kind of weird and stuff like that, but I'm not going to say too much bad about it because I'd like to announce uh, uh, Chris and mine's new business. Which is uh, Chris and Joe's uh, mobile uh, vagina steaming service. Okay, I was like, go with this. Listen, I know you going like, oh, nobody wants that. We're gonna come. We're gonna come. We're gonna come right to your house, and it's gonna be discreetly in a plumber truck, not Mister Plumber, because we're gender. We we accept all genders, so it's just gonna be a plain plumber truck, and we're gonna come there, and we're gonna personally make sure that you get your vagina nice. And steamy. So, ladies, if you need your vagina steamy and ready to go, get on that phone and call Chris and Joe. And that's our show for tonight. Yeah, it's the least dirty conversation about steamed vaginas anybody's yeah. ever had. <laughs> Order now and you get free clam chowder. Thank you so much for joining us, and Shane, thank you again for sticking around. Shane, you will not uh, be talking about our podcast on your podcast ever, because this is not actually comedy. (laughs) (laughs) you back tomorrow at 6 p.m. Have a good night, everyone, and stay safe. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Man.